Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So it happened before. It's going to happen again. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Tennis, where the fans get to know their favorite pros. I'm your host, John Garica. Each week, I'm joined by a major fan of the sport that, like most of us, love to talk, follow, play, and give their unsolicited opinions about the sport we all love. And to help balance that out, we're always joined by an expert of the game that has been there and knows exactly what it feels like to win those big matches. We get to pick their brain and ask all the questions we've always wanted to ask our favorite players. This is Fantastic Tennis. This week's fan guest is a WTA super fan from Raleigh, North Carolina, that actually entered my radar for the first time on Twitter, believe it or not. Anytime I'd actually start to post something, I would notice that he had already written the exact same thing, and uh, we became instant friends. So I messaged him and, and say la vie. That's a very 2020 friendship that we had, John. <laughs> he also was in the audience when he watched Jess win her first title. Uh, it's my buddy, John Wheelahan. How are you, John? Hi, John. How are you? Thanks for joining the pod today. I'm really excited for today. It's going to be a fun one, I think. Our guest today has been steadily climbing the WTA rankings ladder for the past few seasons. Her current rank of 62 is just shy of her career high of 55 in the world, and she's already at a career high in doubles after her quarterfinal showing at last month's French Open. Having been a steady player on tour since her debut in 2009, it wasn't until her win at the 2019 City Open in D.C. that she would become a forehand force to be reckoned with from now on. She started her 2020 season with a great run to the finals of Auckland, where she fell to Serena Williams. And this summer, she made her first third round appearance at a Grand Slam at the U.S. Open. You can play this recording back when I confidently predict she'll be easily finding a new career high in 2021. I'm excited to get to know Jessica Pagula. Jessica, welcome. Hi, how are you? Hi, thanks for joining today. I feel like people named Jessica have all the best nicknames. I don't know if you, are you Jess? Are you Jessica? Are you JP? Are you like... Yeah, I'm all of those. <laughs> I'm all Jess, Jess, JP. A JP is actually a really old nickname. Uh, it was like when I was like 9, 10, 11, 12. And then when I moved to Florida, I kind of like it dropped. And now it's slowly coming back. I like it. I like it too. Maybe Peg. Maybe we'll start Peg in 2021. I get Pegs, yeah. JPEGs. I get that a lot too. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right, team. Before we jump into some recent tennis and Jessica's career, we're going to start the pod today with my favorite way to start any service game. 15 love. 15 love. It's a super simple game. I'm going to throw 15 questions at you, Jess, and you just respond as quickly as you can with the first thing that pops into your head. All right? Okay. Let's go. Would you rather return on the do side or the ad side? Ad side. In a ridiculous year, what would you say was the highlight of 2020 for you? Uh, playing, well, I was going to say playing Serena, but that happened before COVID. So I'd say my best result at uh, the U.S. Open. Your favorite tournament to play? U.S. Open. You just said Serena. What's the first thing that pops in your head when I say Serena Williams? Goat, obviously. <laughs> What's your morning ritual? Um, just getting up and getting coffee and taking my dogs out. Name someone currently on the men's or women's tour that you don't really know, but looks like they'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to say like Fetter or something corny. Yeah, I know. That's not corny. I want to hang out with Fetter. Pretty funny. If you weren't a pro tennis player, what do you think you would be? 
Oh, uh, just an athlete of some sort. I love sports. Yeah, you're world-class at tennis, but name something you're bad at. Really bad um, at math. <laughs> name a player on tour that would know an embarrassing story about you. Um, oh, I don't know. I just, I'm just going to throw Jen Brady. Just because we've spent a lot of time together, I feel like she must have something. She has dirt on you for sure. Uh, <laughs> what's what's something left on your bucket list? Um, I really want to see the Northern Lights. You get one singles loss from your career to turn into a win instead. Which one do you pick? Serena. <laughs> Good one, of course. Name a hobby you have outside of tennis. Uh, golf. What is an off-court Jessica Pagula signature cocktail? Uh, I'm really into margaritas, so like a skinny margarita. I love that too. Describe yourself off court in one word. Pretty chill. Number 15, looking forward to next year and the rest of your career. What is your next immediate tennis goal? Um, to do well in Australia. Awesome. Well done. Yeah, that was, that was super easy. I had bigger Sabres fan or bigger Bills fan, but I skipped that one. I, I, I thought, I thought we would avoid that. We like you, so we didn't want to go there, but, uh, but for yeah, sure. That might start some controversy. <laughs> for sure. Uh, John, you're a big tennis fan and a big fan of Jessica's today. Do you remember the first tennis match you ever watched on TV? I want to see how far, far back tennis goes for you. Yeah, actually, like, I'm kind of proud to say that I actually taught myself how to play tennis. Uh, I was either like 12 or 13. I uh, can't really remember. Um, but my first real memory of loving tennis was seeing Serena win the 99 US Open final. I just thought this girl is awesome. Uh, her power, those braids. Uh, I couldn't stop watching after that. Later on, later on, I know Jessica got onto your radar. What was it about her game that that resonated with you? So as you know, I love watching tennis and I'll pretty much watch any tournament. Um, and a couple of years ago, I was watching a smaller tournament on Tennis Channel and I saw this American girl with a huge forehand and I looked down and I saw her last name was Pagula. And I thought, wait, is she related to the Pagulas that own the Bills? And so I reached out to one of my siblings who had met her parents through business contacts and <laughs> just so happens it was their daughter. So I became a huge fan after that and just love watching Jess crush forehands. <laughs> I love it. Jess, you, you've had some highlights for sure, especially this summer. So I'd love to jump into some tennis talk with you both. Just like everyone, you spent the entire year trying to figure out what the hell was going on. The year started off in Australia and we were worried for a minute that it may get canceled because of the, the bushfires and the air quality. Then we move on to Indian Wells. It's March and COVID hits. And we start to think that tennis may be cursed for the year. What... <laughs> what was that like for you when they announced that in India? You were in Indian Wells, I think, during that time, yeah? Yeah, I remember it was just chaos. Like, we were there, and it was the night before qualifying. And, um, yeah, we just – my coach – I actually was asleep. I fell asleep. And I woke up to my coach, David Witt, calling me, and he's like, they canceled the tournament. And I was like, what? I was like, there's no way. You know, it was always like kind of in our minds that maybe they were going to do something with the COVID, but we didn't think that they were going to cancel it uh, the day before the tournament started. So it was pretty crazy. I think everyone really was kind of freaking out and didn't know what to do. Also, just because, you know, players were there, they didn't know if they were going to get paid. They didn't know if the people were going to be paying for their rooms. They were like freaking out. Everything was just crazy. Um, so yeah, I kind of just went back home and actually ended up moving into a new house, which kind of kept me distracted from a lot of that stuff. But yeah, it's been, it's just been a weird, weird year. Actually, you mentioned the brush fires. I like forgot about that. I was like, oh my God, we, we did have that. We were dealing with that in Australia. I totally forgot. It seems like, I don't know. It seems like so long ago, but at the same time, it seems like 
this all has gone by really, really quickly. Are you looking at going back to Australia? And like, now that you mentioned the fires, I was like, wow, we were just there dealing with that. So it's just been 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just been 2020. We're going to look back. You're going to tell all your grandkids about this year. It's going to be like, uh, yeah, this is what I had to deal with this year. This is what, yeah. You mentioned you, you have the new house, you're quarantining, you're kind of busy. We don't see you again till I believe World Team Tennis was the first time you, you kind of played in the COVID era. Yes. What was your impression playing in your first season of World Team Tennis? Oh, it was so fun. I was so glad they called me because I knew I kept like emailing them and I was like, hey, like I've been practicing a little bit because you know, in Florida, I don't think it was as, as strict. And also there's a lot of my parents have a private court. There's a private court across the street from me. It's pretty easy to kind of find something, you know. So I was practicing and I just kept emailing them like, hey, like I'm ready to go if you need somebody. And yeah, I think just a few weeks before, yeah, they called me to play and I was like, yeah, for sure. I'm in, I don't, whatever. I don't care about anything else. Like I just wanted to get back and compete and do something. And I kind of skipped world team tennis so many other times because of the scheduling and the traveling. Um, and it just didn't really work out. I think a couple of times I got hurt. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is perfect timing. We're going to be in one spot. We don't really know if we're going to play again. So, and I, I really like team sports and that kind of like you know, team feeling of playing together, just like doubles. So I just, yeah, it was really fun. I'm, I'm so glad I got to play because it really, I think gave me a lot of confidence going into the events that started up after that. Greenbrier looked fun. It looked like you guys, it was like a college dorm or like sorority and fraternity house. It was like everyone just like hunkered down. You're all just all together. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty crazy, but it was really fun. Like we looked back on it, like we were kind of like, this kind of sucks. This kind of sucks. And then we were done. And then we were like, wait, we kind of missed the green buyer. It was nice because we could walk to like the courts. So like you would literally, you know, get out of your room, walk with your tennis bag down to the courts, go practice, go work out, go play your match, walk back. Um, it was a pretty good setup. They kept you busy too. Oh yeah. It was, it was for like a month almost. So yeah. And then by the, then we started back up and I think most of the time, like most of those people that played were pretty ready to go by then too. So, and it was fun. It was just fun competing and playing for something, but still not in a super serious setting, just with everything that was going on. It was pretty, you know, still laid back and we're still hanging out with other teams and hanging out with other people. And it was fun. It looked fun. I zoomed with a couple of players that were in Greenbrier and I just remember the uh, guest rooms looked a little scary. It was very reminiscent of like the Sharapova hotel speech where it was the fairly ugly carpet. I was like, oh, and everyone made comments about it and they would apologize for the wallpaper on the wall. And I was like, hey, it's okay. You're the third person to apologize. It's not me. It's cool. I did like a, one interview on Zoom and I was, yeah, because mine, mine was full on floral, like a matching floral, like pink floral, pink and green, like walls like the drapes matched the walls and that matched like the couch, the chair, and it matched the, it was just, it was all matching florals. It was so, it was so bad. Oh, Greenbrier. Yeah. Oh, the good times of Greenbrier. We're going to see you in their uh, Greenbrier commercial next year. <laughs> After World Team Tennis, the tour comes back in Lexington. We see you in good form from World Team Tennis. You're playing great. You have a good first round match win against Zvonareva. What was that first fanless experience like for you getting to Lexington? Did it feel different from World Team Tennis? You'd been playing for a month, but it seemed a little different. Yeah, honestly, it was weird because World Team Tennis, we still had, you know, they had a nice little stadium. So they were distancing some fans. And as we kept playing, you know, more people were kind of coming in on the weekends and stuff that were there vacationing or in the area and they would come watch. So, and, you know, in a little stadium, just a little bit of people can make it seem like, you know, something more exciting, especially with the music playing and the announcers. So it was definitely weird. I think actually against that match, I was up 
like six one six oh three two yeah. oh forty love and I ended up winning like seven six four and third seven five and third whatever it was I, I don't remember but it was one of those where like yeah everything was going perfect and then like it switched and that's kind of where you know a crowd or some sort of crowd would kind of been helpful or maybe would have helped push me to not go to three sets but um it was a tricky first round match back and yeah not having fans was a little weird I was kind of telling my coach in between that tournament I think there was like a week or two kind of in between world team tennis and that and I felt so bored because I'll I was competing in, a, in world team tennis I was playing singles doubles and mixed so I would literally they would put me sometimes back to back to back and I would just be like constantly in this competition mode and you know you're talking to your teammates you're like come on let's go come on come on you're cheering each other on and then I had like this period in between where I was just so bored I was like I don't really I don't know like I feel weird like I'm not competing every day like I was for the last like two and a half weeks I don't know what to like do with myself like you know because you were in such a routine of practice your match go back to the room eat and then now I'm in this weird COVID situation in Lexington Kentucky and I just really wanted to play. So I definitely got a competitive match right away, having to typical fashion, being up, lose a lead, come back. I think I was down in the third. Then I came back and won it. And I was like, wow, I guess I really wanted to uh, stay out there for a long time because it was it was a weird match. But it was weird without the fans. But I think at a certain point to you, that adrenaline just kind of comes naturally. I hate that you're getting used to it though. Now, you know, uh, after some great experiences, we came back uh, with the women's tour in Charleston, the exhibition we had world team tennis, even Lexington really set the tone for safety and preparedness for the success of the New York bubble tournaments that, that were about to happen Mm -hmm. from a player perspective. Do you feel like, well, New York looked super solid, but do you feel like there were any major comparisons from New York to Paris in terms of player safety? I know that it was the first time for both cities dealing with with something like that. So I'm sure there was a learning curve, but <laughs> what, what were the major differences? So honestly, I mean, I think US Open did a great job. I think it was actually ended up being a great idea to put Cincinnati and them back to back. I know they're both, I think, USTA owned too. So it was easier, but yeah, they did a great job of not, knowing that we, a lot of people were playing both and we're going to be there for a long time. And um, just with the players, like we had an outside area that food trucks coming in that you could get different food from They had a game area. And I pretty sure we were the only people in the hotel. So I thought they did us open did a great job. And then yeah, Paris was just, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't definitely wasn't as nice. It wasn't as catered to the players as far as like off the court. Um, mm-hmm. I think everything on site was pretty much the same, but it, ra- it rained every day. So not sure how much activity so yeah. that did not help. It, the, the fact that it wasn't a great setup. Um, I also think in their defense, I think it was last minute. I don't think they were planning on doing any type of protocols. And then at least that's what I heard. And then they um, kind of last minute because US Open went well. They were kind of like, okay, we need you to do the same thing. And so it was pretty rushed. But um, yeah, the rain and the fact that there were no fans there really, even though they had a little bit, it just killed the vibe. Yeah. It was rough sometimes. Like I played every match, even doubles. We were playing every day, like at night. So it was just cold, windy, rainy, dead out, like no fans, no, no atmosphere. And it was just, it was different for sure. It's good to hear because even from, I don't know how John feels, but even from the fan perspective, we're watching from home and it just didn't look like Paris to us, like a normal, it looked miserable. You know, I'd see you play doubles and you'd see everyone just huddled up and you were there for a while. You made the yeah. quarters of, of, of doubles. So you're there and everyone's in there long, 
long play gear and it's just like wow yeah. i mean everyone looks miserable it, it, yeah it was it was rough just i mean playing your match is one thing in the tough conditions but like just the off the court aspect of it was just the hardest like the same routine the hotel there's nothing to do and you're in the in this park is in the middle of paris too so like us open it felt a little different because our hotel was in long island and um it was like almost an hour to the courts which wasn't great but there's nothing tons to do around flushing you know the Roland Garros is set kind of in the city in a park and then you have our hotel we were right outside the Eiffel Tower so you saw I'm sure you saw everyone posting like Eiffel Tower pictures and you're just like we can't even just go out and see it like it's right there and we can't do it so it was almost like a tease the whole time which I don't think helped anybody's situation. No, but like you said, I know you were super excited to get back on the court. We felt equally the same watching. It was, it gave us a little semblance of normalcy again, just to kind of feel like, oh, I get to wake up in the morning and see the French again. So it was, um, it was pretty good, but I would just assume that you are, you're from upstate New York. So you should have had an advantage with the cold weather, I would say, Um, but maybe the thick skin wore off in Florida, I guess, maybe. It definitely has. Um, Yeah, maybe a little bit. I didn't mind the cold, obviously when it gets windy and, you know, I think what made it worse too was the cold and the clay, you know, the clay kind of gets almost like dense and kind of muddy, especially with the rain and the balls get super heavy where maybe if it was a hard court, you don't really see that much like variation change in like the court surface and the balls. So it was just so different. Like every time we went out to practice or play, that's why, I mean, it just, just shows tennis. Like there's so many different variables going on and it, for people to still have to go out there and play and, you know, not think about those things, even though they're there and everyone knows they're there. And that's why it's pretty amazing that Iga like just dominated anybody. She's like, I don't care if it's windy or cold. I'm just going to just drive through this whole draw. <laughs> totally. Let's talk about Iga for a second. Cause you actually played her in doubles in Paris as well. in in your quarter, she was just in the zone. It seemed like the entire time she seemed completely unbothered with the conditions throughout the event. Was there chatter in the locker room? Did you kind of feel like even after that match that like, Hey, she's, she's in the zone. This is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of, after the doubles, I, I mean, I kind of had a feeling I've seen her play. I played her actually in DC first round. So I know that like she gets hot and I know that she rides that very well sometimes. And like, I've seen other matches where she's played where, okay, maybe she gets hot. And if someone can just kind of get in the match that maybe they can turn it around, but she makes it really tough. Um, Cause she's a little unorthodox, but really good. So in doubles, you know, when a player is doing that well in singles and doubles, you know that they, they're, they've got this kind of swag going about them where things are kind of going their way. They're always kind of making the right decision. They're making the right play. So you could definitely feel that a little bit in doubles that she was just coming up with shots at the right time, which obviously makes it tougher. And I think, um, I think, I mean, she, I think they lost in the semis, but it, it was close. It was like a really tough match where they were able to edge it out, but yeah, you could just tell that she was just, she was feeling it. John, what are your thoughts from a fan perspective? I actually really like her. Um, something about her personality. She reminds me a little bit of Petra Kvitova, and she's so sweet off the court and then so powerful on the court. Um, and like Jess was saying, she's a little unorthodox when she plays, but she's really fun to watch. And I think she has a ton of potential. And Jess is right. When she starts to get hot, it just gets better and better as she goes on. For sure. Je- Jessica, your doubles run in Paris was awesome. I loved watching it. I'm, I'm a big Asian Mohammed fan as well. So I was, I was happy to see you guys. Uh, you, some great wins. You beat Coco Goff and Kat McNally. 
you had a great win against one of the best teams in the world, Mertens and Sabalenka. Are we expecting you to play with Asia a little bit next year? Yeah, I think we're going to start try and start the year together and play Australian Open together. Um, it's funny, we've known each other for so long and we've only played doubles, I think maybe like once in a challenger and we didn't do very well. We kind of just never played again. I don't know why. And then she's always you know, playing with someone else and I'm always playing with someone else. And then obviously she asked him to play after her and Taylor did well. And I was like, that's weird. Why isn't Taylor playing the French open? And then I was like, obviously we all know now Surprise. Um, she's having a baby. So that's amazing. And love her yeah. Taylor. If you're listening, congrats. Love it. Love it. Super I excited. Tay. So, cause I played with doubles with her a lot as well. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was, it was the first time we played together. We were with each other a lot because again, with COVID, we would just kind of hang out and spend the whole day together. And we had a couple of days off in between some of the matches too. So a lot of practicing, but yeah, I've known her for a long time and she's great. And um, I'm glad that we, we did well. So I think we'll do pro- I hope better on the hard. Even I think we'll be better on hard, but I'm glad that we could scrape out some of those big wins against um, Mertens and Sabalenka. I've been playing them a lot lately too. So I was like, I need to keep this record like pretty even. So <laughs> at least I beat them in doubles. I think we, I lost, I played with who Shelby Rogers at, I think it was Cincy or Cincy or US Lexington. Open. I don't, I get confused because we're all at the same site, but we lost to them in doubles. Yeah. So then, yeah. So it was nice that we beat them at the Asian. I beat them at the French, but yeah, it was a fun experience. It was cool to be there. So late in a slam, it's definitely a different feeling. Yeah. So, so, all right. So watch out, everybody. Pagula Muhammad next year, 2021. <laughs> we'll see them. All right, guys, let's uh, go on to our game. I, I love this game. It's We're going to play a game called I 40 Love You. It'll be John versus Jessica in a fan versus favorite tennis match trivia showdown all about Jessica's career and life. John, this is your shot to beat Jessica at something, okay? <laughs> Pressure's on. You're a super fan. I think you got this. All right, here's how it goes. John, I'm going to ask you two questions about Jessica's career. Then Jessica, I'm going to ask you two questions that kind of sort of have to do with John, but more so about you. Okay. If it ends up in a 2-2 tie, I'm going to give John the opportunity right now to be today's champ, but only if he can come up with the right answer to this first question. Otherwise, the tiebreak goes to Jessica. So, John, here's your tiebreak question. It's tough, but not impossible. I think you got this. Jessica has already 250 wins on tour. Six of those wins, including two former number ones are against players that would go on to win a Grand Slam title. Can you name one of those six players with a Grand Slam that Jessica has beaten? This one's actually an easy one because it happened this year. And it was that epic match where she beat Wozniacki in Auckland. Yeah, that's an easy one. All right, good job. <laughs> uh, well well done. So you win the tiebreak. Jessica, do you remember any of those matches? I know obviously the Wozniak match I want to talk about in a little bit, but um, uh, would you consider one of those to be one of your biggest wins in, of your career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know it was kind of later where she was, you know, getting ready to retire soon, but yeah, I think definitely being in Auckland where she's done really well. And then obviously everyone kind of wanted the final with her and Serena, which I felt kind of bad about, but. Oh, do you feel that as, do you feel that as a player? It's not something I want to ask, but obviously if you're, you know, she's going out. So we're, we're rooting for this friendship and it's like, oh, you know, we want to see it was in the Yankees. You're like, no, no, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> In perspective, I'm like, yeah, that would have been nice, but I'm like, eh, it's okay. Like my coach, I guess, knows the tournament director really well. And, you know, obviously that's what he wants. He wants Wazniacki to in the finals and it was right there. And I guess he was telling him the whole week, like, we're going to ruin your plan. We're going to ruin your plan this week. And I actually did. So it's kind of funny, but. Oh, that's awesome. You jumped on my radar, Jessica, 2013, a long time ago. I've been following your career for a while. That win against Muguruza in Charleston. That's a big one. You know, it's, it's clay. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a great one. 
it's it's Garbina, obviously a former number one. You get the, to the third round. Uh, you had some good match wins there too, but but really, really huge win for you too. So you've had some good ones, but I did wonder how your game has really improved over the past couple of seasons because you know you, you played this great match against Garbina. You're winning yeah. against Wozniacki six years later. You've shown a lot of consistency over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I think I've always been right there. It was just more the consistency. I mean, you know, with tennis, it's like day in, day out, week after week. It's like you win one tournament one week, next week you lose and you're like, oh crap. Like it's almost like the week before it didn't even happen. So it's pretty, it's weird. And it's funny you ask that question because I've actually beaten a lot of former number one or grand slam champions, not at that time, but that went on to kind of do really well. So it's always been kind of funny to me that I think you can look back on that and I can see like, okay, my level's there. It's just, I think again, mental, like getting the mindset and then physically, obviously staying healthy was a big one for me, but I, I kind of always knew it was, it was there. It's just, you know, keeping the consistency. I love that. Um, all right, guys, we're going to start John first questions for you. I asked you earlier what your favorite tournament was and you told me, what was it? Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yes. Okay. So hopefully this is going to help you out a little bit, John. Jessica made her debut in the qualifying at an event in Ponte Vita Beach, Florida, back in 2009. And she won her first match against a former top 70 player as well. Uh, great first start, but she'd end up losing her second round match. She would lose to a player that would end up winning Wimbledon one day. What player was that, John? Um, Bartoli. Wow. Well done. All right. You're on the board really good I honestly couldn't remember for a second I was like wait who is this I knew who I beat first round but I forgot I mean Bartoli's Bartoli you probably haven't played very many people like her in your career but do you remember that match now that I like uh yeah 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 I totally remember that match what was this debut like in general obviously you're young you're playing you're coming from juniors and you you win your first match what was what was that whole first tournament experience like yeah I remember playing Panova who was a really good player. I don't know like what happened or what and she ended up doing, but she was like, yeah, like maybe 150 or something like that. And yeah, I beat her like own one or something. Like it was just one of those where like I blacked out and like hit a winner on every ball. Like, I don't even remember. I just walked up the court. I was like, okay, well that was good. And then it was kind of funny because Madison keys played the same tournament that year and beat a la Curtis Seva. Yep. And she was like the same age as me or like 13 or something. And Ala was ranked at the time, like 80 or something in the world. So it was kind of funny because I did well. And then she did well in the main draw. And it was like, it's interesting now. And then you see her, all of her success and stuff like that too. So I don't really remember much of the Bartoli match. I just remember I kind of spazzed out a little bit because I was a little overwhelmed. I think I played on like the stadium court there. And um, I think she like took a wild card too, because she wasn't supposed to be in the qualifying she like forgot to enter. And I was like, Oh, come on. Like really forgot to enter. But you know, now that, you know, you always look on the experience. I mean, I was so young. It really didn't really matter. Honestly, if I probably won or lost that match. No, it did. It didn't look at us today. Yeah. What was your coming of uh, to tennis? Like how did tennis come into your life? Did your family play growing up? I know you grew up in upstate New York. Did the family play? Um, yes. My older sister played, uh, my older half sister, Laura, played at Eastern Michigan, and then she ended up going to University of Pittsburgh. So she kind of, I guess, got me started. And my dad played like racquetball. And was, we were kind of always like around that realm. Um, and I just started taking tennis lessons after school. And um, I don't know, I guess I just had a talent for it. And I liked it. And it was just something I ended up sticking with. And um, yeah, and then I, we moved to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and I ended up going to um, Smith Stearns Tennis Academy with Billy Stearns and Stan Smith. And that's where I kind of really like got my strokes and my game and um, all that. And then I just, I moved to Florida when I was about 13 
and kind of started playing tournaments. You played a ton of junior tournaments. You yeah. were you were a great junior. Were you always 100% convinced you wanted to be a professional? Did you think about college? Was that something that you were? Um, yeah, I well, I think I did, um, especially when I was doing pretty well, like nationally, like in the Southern section, I was ranked pretty high when I was young. And I was like, kind of always thought, well, I could go to college and then turn pro. But then I did well with Taylor Townsend at the the doubles at the US Open. And my parents were kind of like, you know, if this is something you want to do, go for it. And obviously, not that I'm that old, but back at that time, it, you didn't really go to college and have a lot of success going pro. And now it's it's so much different. So uh, I think that's great, though, that that's happening because, um, you know, it's not so much of a ultimatum, like you need to make the decision when you're 17, 18 years old. Now you're seeing everyone develop so much later. So that's really neat to see. But yeah, I love that. Um, it's really, really great. Let's go. Um, first question for for Jessica. Seven final appearances on the ITF tour and a great run to the finals at the WTA event in Quebec City in 2018. You finally won your first title in Washington, D.C., you brought a special guest to that event that really resonated with John as he also has a similar lucky charm. Do you remember what guest was there in the stadium on that final day? My dog, Maddie. Your dog, Maddie. <laughs> your dog. John, you have a dog too, yeah? What, what's your dog's name? Parker. Oh my gosh. Parker is a Jack Russell Chihuahua mix who also happens to have an underbite. So he's a lot of personality <laughs> to handle. Maddie was pretty famous. Does she have an Instagram? Does Maddie have an Instagram? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Um, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, everyone like loved that she was there. It's funny. It's the only tournament I've ever taken her to. Oh, there we go. We'll see what happens next year. Saying to bring her back, and I'm like, yeah, but she finished out on she finished on top. Like she might be retired for a while. <laughs> <laughs> there was this amazing moment, Jessica. After you won, you dropped to your knees. You looked so happy. I think maybe you shed a, a tear or two. Um, was that just? stress relief. I know you had a severe injury in 2017, I think a big knee injury as well in 2014 that sidelined you. I'm guessing all those memories kind of flooded back in just a lot of stress. Yeah, honestly, I don't even know. It definitely that but the fact that like, I've been in like, seven or eight finals, I was just like, I could have had like seven or eight wins. And that like really bothered me. And you know, the first few, whatever, you kind of like shake it off. And then the Quebec final, like, you know, I did well there. And I felt I was winning in the first set and I felt like I lost, but I was just, I was happy that like in DC, I think it was just relief because I went through a lot of tough matches. And then the final finally kind of just happened like a dream final. Like I just played really well. Maybe she didn't play as well. Everything just worked perfectly for me. So it was just nice because it was just not really that much of a high stress final. And I was like, finally, like I can just win a tournament and get this over with like the monkey off my back. Obviously all the work I did definitely helped, but I thought too, I mean, city open was, is one of my favorite tournaments. I've always done well there. So that too is really special. It was, you, you have always played well there. And I think, um, sometimes you players just have that great tournament run where you are just feeling it and you, you really crushed in that final. I remember watching that as well. Yeah. It was, it was a really great match for you. If anybody needs to YouTube that Georgie match, it was really, really nice. I mean, Jess, you were in really good form, uh, that entire tournament. And, um, I was a little nervous with you playing Georgie in the final, but um, you could see the relief just melt off your face when you won and you played so well in the final. So it was just awesome to see you win. Was that David Witt's first tournament with you? Yeah, it was. So I, um, I was with Jesse Levine and um, we stopped after Wimbledon and there's kind of like a two weeks in between there. And yeah, it just kind of happened organically. Like he lives in Jacksonville and I, he wasn't really working anyone since Venus. So he just kind of came down and we trialed in DC 
And um, yeah, it just was kind of obviously perfect situation. So that, that was cool too. Um, and it was, it was all new, very new too. So um, it's always weird being kind of in that element of a new coach. You're not really sure what's going on. Um, but I knew like I, I play well there and I like the site and I like the hotel and everything. And I brought Maddie. So it was, it was just like a really fun week. Everything went really well. Yeah. And great experience in your corner. David is a, is a great coach. What, what has David brought to the team that has made these improvements since city open? Yeah. I think he's put like just a lot of belief in me too. I remember it was kind of funny. You remember small things, but I remember being in Washington DC and I think like Sloan lost first round, like Maddie lost first round. There was a lot of weird results, you know? And um, he was just like, you can win this tournament. And I was just kind of like, huh, nice. Like, yeah, maybe I can win this tournament. And then I just kind of like took it by match by match, you know, and won the tournament. So it was just, I think he's kind of instilled more of a belief because he's been with, you know, Venus who has been at the highest level. And um, I just felt like that he, he believes I can, I can be there. So that will do a lot. And then obviously just helping me get everything a little bit better, being more aggressive, coming to the net, working on my serve a little bit more, stuff like that to just really, really help. First of many, Jessica Pagula, it's going to happen. <laughs> what did you buy? What was that first, you know, that first big tournament when, what'd you treat yourself to? After DC? Um, I honestly don't know. I probably just went online shopping spree. I feel like that's my go-to. It's a good go-to. Yeah. I think that's all of our go-tos. That's a 2020 go-to. You've already, you started the trend in 2019. Yeah, like all those bags that I had like filled up on my tabs online. I just checked out all of them. <laughs> all right, third question. Okay, Jess, I'm giving it back to you. It's your last chance for a point. You had such an amazing start to the year by making the Auckland final John happens to be a huge Serena Williams fan as well. So it really ended up being a dream final for him. Jess, this will be tough. So I'm going to make it multiple choice. We all know Serena has had dozens of amazing moments over the years, but there's one particular memorable match that John lists as his absolute favorite. Which Grand Slam did that particular match occur? Was it Australia, the French, Wimbledon, or the U.S. Open? What do you think? U.S. Open? I mean, I've seen some amazing matches at the US Open. John, what did, what did you say? I mean, US Open would have been a close second for me because I did get to see the 2013 uh, US Open final between Serena and Vika. And that was one of my highlights of my life. Um, but really, when I think about Serena, I think about in Australia, that final against Sharpova. That was an amazing match. I thought because didn't you say before that when you first saw Serena play in the US Open, I was like, okay, it has to be US Open. Such a good listener, Jessica Bagula yeah, is. That was a trick. It wasn't even right. Dang it. <laughs> Jessica, can we talk about Auckland? What a dream run. Obviously, it's everyone's fantasy, even to hit against a wall and pretend the wall is Serena Williams. You're playing finals against Serena. So that must have been a dream week for you. Yeah. I mean, again, I that was actually a tournament where I was, I think, I played every match really well, even like I was just playing well the whole week. So um, going against Serena, I felt really good. I know she was kind of struggling in finals a little bit and, you know, you could tell it meant a lot to her when she won, but yeah, I just tried to take it as, you know, a good experience playing her. And it's pretty surreal when you get out there and I started off pretty well, but you know, she served her way out and kind of does what she does. And uh, to kind of be on the other side of that, you're kind of like, okay, now I kind of get it. I kind of, I get like how she does it. I, I don't understand how, but like you can kind of feel her presence, uh, which you really don't get with a lot of players. And um so, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, glad that upset that I lost, but glad that she kind of, you know, had that moment again where she was relieved, I think, to win that final and kind of monkey off her back. And you could tell it meant a lot to her. So 
it was nice to know that I played her too, where she was, she was playing really well and she was competing a hundred percent and you could tell she really wanted it. So it's always good to uh, play against someone like that. And if you lose play your best, try your best, and you kind of just move on, but it was a fun experience. It was historic. I know people probably ask you all the time, especially in the non-tennis world, they say, oh, you're a tennis pro. Have you ever played Serena Williams? I think that's probably the first question you always get. So now you can say, yeah, absolutely in a final actually. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. So now that, you know, you can check mark that. I think it's pretty awesome. Exactly. That's what I told people. Like, now I can finally say it. And my, like my legitimacy goes like way up. They're like, oh wow. So you are good. <laughs> you have um, people listening to this, to this podcast right now. If you're a Caroline Wozniacki fan, they're sitting with their arms crossed listening to you and they're, they've gotten this far, which is great. If you're, if you're still listening, I, uh, you obviously, the charm of Jessica Pugula has worn on you, but you ended Caroline's non-grand slam tennis career. That was a great win. Again, you, you must consider that as, as one of your favorites. Were there any other moments from Auckland that, that kind of, you just had to pinch yourself? It was just a great week for you. Was it from the off season? How did it manifest? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I just went in, I don't know. I just went in playing pretty well and feeling pretty good. And I had like no jet lag when I got there, which was super weird. And I was just like everything. It was my first year playing. So, and everyone told me how much they loved Auckland and I would agree. It's a great, great tournament. And I love that center court. I got to play on it, I think three times. Um, three times in a row. So that was really fun. And um, everyone was just super nice and it was just a good atmosphere. And I don't know, sometimes things just are clicking. Yeah. It was actually super, like super windy, which I'm usually not a fan of playing in. So I was really proud of myself too, that I actually played really well throughout the windy conditions the whole week, which is something maybe I would struggle with, but um, yeah, everything was just, it was just working that week. I was so bummed to see that Auckland canceled uh, last week. So hopefully 2022, then we'll go back to Auckland. Yeah. 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 I know that was such, I honestly think it's one of the favorites and they get like a, an amazing turnout of fans on that stadium. I mean, I know I was playing Serena, but even the other matches, I mean, it was packed and everyone, uh, I walked around the grounds and they do a great job for the fan experience. And it looks, it looks like a really fun tournament to, to go to as a spectator. Do you think you'll be playing in your forties? Like Serena has, do you envision that in your career? I know you're, you're like, Oh, slow down, slow down. But I mean, do you, do you think about that now? Obviously you have all this trend of players. Kim Kleister's came back this year. You know, you have all these great players playing until their late thirties. Is that something you think about? You know? Yeah. I mean, definitely it's weird because I feel like maybe, I don't know, five years ago, everyone was kind of doing well later in their career. And now I feel like Recently, we're seeing the spike again of all these young players doing really well, really early, like Coco, even like Naomi, Iga, like winning slams before 20, uh, Kenan. Like, so it's weird. Um, I don't, I don't, I think it would have to just be, well, obviously how I'm feeling physically, but you know, mentally, if I still have the same feeling to compete, um, I feel like I always will. So I feel like I'll play for a really long time, but um, you know, obviously it depends on how you do physically, but now with all the stuff out and people are playing much later that um I don't know 40 is a long time but maybe a little less than that but hopefully if I'm feeling good why not hey why not uh your plan is to go to Australia correct is that is that the plan next yep Serena is a minority owner of the Miami Dolphins and they play in January they play Buffalo in January. So I'm picturing the both of you. I really want this to happen. I know for, from a fan perspective, I want both of you, this social distancing moment where you're, you're watching this football game together, where it's, it's the Miami dolphins versus the Buffalo bills in your, 
a, like a, a nice friendly wager. We got to make this happen, okay? Yeah, that would be really funny. Buffalo and Miami are huge rivals. Oh, huge. <laughs> They're big rivals. I know. I, I this is going to we're going to make this happen. Yeah, actually, I think it's we play them the last game of the the season. So um, they're a little better this year. I mean, we're better, but they've been playing pretty decent and we're huge division rivals. You squeaked out the first one. Yeah. It was 31-28, so we'll, we'll see. I don't know. All right, John, your last question. Jessica played some amazing tennis this summer by making first the quarterfinals in the bubble at the Western and Southern, and then her first third round appearance in a Grand Slam at the US Open. But she just made a milestone by achieving her highest doubles ranking ever after a successful summer. So to celebrate that, I'm giving you a doubles question. Jessica made her debut playing Fed Cup, now the Billie Jean King Cup in Texas last year in the World Group Playoff tie against Switzerland. Who was her doubles partner in that match? Oh, boy. I remember being really excited you were on the Fed Cup team, but I don't remember. Uh, Kenan? Do you remember who you played with, Jess? Me? Yeah, Jen. Jen. Jen Fried. Jen, damn it. Was, was, that a cool, was that a cool experience for you, Jess? Yeah, it was it was so much fun. Actually, I think it was her first time too playing yeah. on the Fed Cup team. So it was funny. We like got last minute. They're like, okay, we're gonna play dead rubber. You guys are in. And we were like, oh crap. We're like, oh, we're freaking out. And it was like <laughs> it was definitely well weird playing a dead rubber, but we were kind of excited because we got to play our first Fed Cup match, not under extreme pressure. And that was actually the week too. We kind of I we weren't really friends before. We like not like really that close. And I wasn't really friends with a lot of people on tour in general because I didn't really grow up a lot around them. So we actually got pretty close that week and that's how we started becoming friends. So then I look back, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool experience. Really cool. I mean, I love most uh, everybody on that team. Key's great energy, Brady, uh, Sloan, really great team. Speaking of Jen, an amazing summer for Jen Brady. She wins Lexington, then has that killer US Open run. In between those runs, you beat her at the Western and Southern. It just really goes to show how awesome you were playing this past summer as well yeah. in the bubble. After Jen, you beat Anisimova, who was top 30, Sabalenka, who was, I think, 11 or 12 at the time, continued at the Open. Great, great couple wins against Puskova and Flipkins. Were you happy how you played this summer? Yeah, I, I thought, um, I honestly didn't think I was really, like, playing my best. Like, if I look back and I see, like, Auckland or even, like, I don't even know, maybe even D.C., I was, I felt like, I don't know, things were happening a little bit better, but I thought that physically I was moving a lot better and I was playing a lot smarter during that Cincinnati U S open run. So it's kind of interesting because, you know, you work on certain things and certain things kind of peak certain weeks and some weeks, you know, one thing feels horrible, but another thing feels good. So I was just happy that like, even though I didn't feel like I was playing amazing, that I was still going out and competing well and winning and figuring out how to win. Was that the progress you were really looking for probably this summer as well? I mean, you're making these end roads, you're getting, you're winning back-to-back matches against great players it's kind of where every player wants to be. And that's what you were doing. I mean, from world team tennis on, you kind of, you kind of won COVID. You did, you did really well. I mean, congrats. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a really great, great opportunity for, for fans of yours to really see you progress and to be there in the second week of tournaments. So kudos to you. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was, yeah. Winning COVID. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right. We ended up in a tie. So John gets the tie break. John, congrats. You beat Jess. Well done. <laughs> oh man we're gonna finish off today with my favorite segment you've got mail you have a couple pieces of fan mail to open jessica so we're gonna go a couple questions of fan mail let's start with number one james from rockville maryland asks i read that you started a service that helps connect people in need with service animals how very cool how did you get that idea to start your charity 
Oh, um, yeah. So I have three dogs and I just love animals. And yeah, I've just seen the connection. Um, the Bills have done a couple things where, you know, they bring out a service dog to um, someone that was in the military that's been on a wait list. And, you know, you see videos like that and you just like start bawling crying because you just see that connection and see how happy both of them are is really cool. So yeah, it was just, I wanted something with animals and I just wanted something where it was like people helping animals, animals helping people. So it's called a lending paw. And um, I haven't really, I, my fiance actually got it for me um, where he like went and did all the hard stuff, like the paperwork and registered it and filed for it and stuff like that. So it's something we kind of wanted to do together. Um, hopefully we can do more of it next year, get more of it out there and do more work with it. Cause it's something we haven't, we, we have it, but it's not definitely where I want it to be. I want to do a lot more work with it. It's amazing. If you go to the website, I'll, I'll mention it at the end as well, but I have a nephew who's just applied for a service animal as well. He is, he suffers from, from seizures and um, it's great what you're doing. I love it. It's really, really important. So thank you. All right. Your, your second question, Amanda from Buffalo, New York says, go bills <laughs> is, is your entire family big into professional sports and has being around so many professional athletes helped you become the workhorse you are today? Oh, good question. Um, yeah. So I think actually, I think it's the opposite. So I, yeah, my parents didn't really get into the sports stuff till I was about 17. So I was already pretty much had my career, knew what I wanted to do and all that. So I would say just more of my parents kind of instilled that work ethic in me. Um, none of them played any really sports besides my older sister, but yeah, I think actually as they own the teams, they kind of related to me more. <laughs> um, because it's like my mom would put it, it's like having 30 of me, at once. And she's like, that's a lot <laughs> just dealing with like 30 athletes at one time. So, um, yeah, it's actually, I think I've almost appreciated almost how hard tennis is because they, they work with team sports. And, um, to me, tennis is just so special in that aspect where it's individual and you're doing so much stuff yourself. So I think I kind of started to give myself a little bit more credit that, you know, I'm out here doing this really tough sport and, um, yeah, sometimes I kind of think, I kind of think the football players and the hockey players like are kind of babies sometimes because I'm like, <laughs> all this stuff, like, I don't even, I don't get that. Like, I don't get catered meals and I don't have like a facility where I can like go train and like everything's for me. So, I don't know if that's bad to say, but I always think it's kind of funny that I'm like, oh, wow, I'm a lot tougher than like, I really kind of give myself credit for. So I don't know. You're on the court by yourself. You're doing it all alone. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing actually. Uh, I mean, we all, we all play tennis and I think everyone listening plays tennis. So absolutely. You get in that mindset and you're, it's just, yeah. it's just you yourself and I out there. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta figure out a way yeah. to do it and, and you do, and you've done it yeah. all year long. So congrats, John, last question is from you. So I wanted to ask you what made you want to start your skincare line and will it eventually be sold at all of the Wegmans locations so that I can get it here in Raleigh? <laughs> um, yeah, so I always had really bad skin growing up. And it was just something that I started when I was hurt. Um, someone here in Buffalo, actually, that works on manufacturing, that type of stuff, um, made it really easy for me, basically, to start my own skincare line. And I wanted something that was easy and simple. I always found like for me that less was more instead of putting like a million things on your face, trying to like get a quick fix. So yeah, that's kind of just how it started. And um, again, it's something like I want to keep working on more and more of, but yeah, it's been a really fun experience, especially for off the court. It helps get my mind kind of off the of tennis and a different kind of area to kind of learn and grow. As far as Wegman, it is online. So you can go online and buy it. Uh, Ready24.com is the website. And what's the name of the brand? Ready, it's called Ready24 though. Cool. Yeah. Ready24. 
All right, guys. Well, thanks. What a, what a fun day. I think we got to know Jessica a lot better today. And absolutely, Jessica will be cheering for you for, for the next season. I want to thank my guests for joining today. You can find John Wheelahan posting away on Twitter at JTW222. Thank you very much, John, for joining. You're awesome. Thank you for having me. Our guest today can be found on Twitter at JLPagula or on Instagram at JPagula. And if you're interested in reading more about Jessica's awesome charity, you can check them out on Instagram at AlendingPaw or its website, www.alendingpod.com. And while you're on Instagram, please follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter. My name is John Garica, and thank you for listening. This has been fantastic. Fantastic.